Cheers! Kampai! Salute! Gambe! Skull! Prost! Hello, and welcome to the Drunken Storytellers podcast, where I tell folk tales and folklore from around the globe. So sit back, grab yourself a drink, and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to episode 12, Hellcrack World Tour. Uh, but first, let's start with a little story. The year is 1263, and there's a young peasant boy walking through the forests of Bohemia. He's lost and hungry and far from home, but yet he stumbles on. His clothes are torn, and his shoes are so worn that he's walking barefoot. Branches and thorns are sticking into his bare feet. Cold, he barely notices the pain. In the distance, he can hear singing, and his ears prick up, and he makes his way quietly towards the sound. As he gets closer, he realises that the sound is that of men singing in a rhythmic song to keep them entertained whilst they work. The beat of the song matches the beat of the hammers on the stone, of the squeak of the winch horning up bricks. The boy sneaks to the edge of the forest and sees a large castle, almost complete in its construction, sitting in a clearing on the edge of a cliff. He also sees a table, laden with food and ale for the workers, and his stomach tightens at the sight of all the food just left there out in the open. Unable to stop himself, and unaware of the dire consequences that could await him if caught, he creeps up to the table. Weaving between tents and piles of stones and carts, trying to remain hidden, he makes it to the table, at first only taking a little bit of bread and cheese, keeping an eye out so that no one sees him. After the first few bites, however, his hunger and his thirst gets the better of him, and he starts grabbing handfuls of food and slurping down jugs of watery ale. And yeah, just as a quick thing, at this time, ale was drunk mostly as it was cleaner than water, but it was also kind of only around 0.5 to 1%. So the boy is not out to get royally pissed, uh, unlike I usually am when I'm doing these things. And he's just stealing food and having a bit of drink, a bit of what we would call water, strong water. In his gorging, he fails, however, to hear the bell calling the men to the table for food. His back turned to the workers, he doesn't hear them approach. As he is trying to stuff grapes into a pocket and bread into his mouth, a hand clumps down on his shoulder hard. Oi, lad, what do you think you're doing here then? In kind of a broad, weird accent of a man from Bohemia, 30 miles north of Prague, sounds like almost kind of like a cockney, but not, because I can't do accents. The boy yelps in fright, spitting food all over the table and dropping everything in his hands. The shock scares him so violently that it breaks the man's grasp and the boy legs it. Being in a somewhat food-induced delusional state, and possibly a little bit drunk, honestly, even though what I said earlier, he doesn't. there's not much alcohol in those drinks, he's half-starved and dehydrated, so even a weak ale such as this has gone straight to his head. He has no idea of the way out of the camp, so instead of running out, he, he runs deeper into the camp, through the tents and the workmen who all try to grab him as well. But being scrawny and filled with fear, uh, they are unable to grasp him. As he nears the wall and the wooden scaffolding used by the workmen, he turns to see where his pursuers are. This was his downfall. Literally, kinda, well, just wait and then you can decide whether it's a natural downfall or not. He stumbles on a pile of discarded tools and falls into the scaffolding. No, this is not the downfall I'm talking of. Somehow, his weight and the tumble are enough to cause the whole structure to shudder and lean. As it begins to lean, time seems to slow. As in all good disaster movies, when disaster strikes, time slows and things begin to happen in a series of well-placed and visually dangerous shots. The boy continues to stumble, 
and falls into the wooden poles holding it up. A loud crack, and suddenly the camera pans to a pole at the other end of the scaffolding as it splinters and explodes. Cries from workers as they realise what's happening. Scenes of them scattering through tents and trying to escape. The camera pans around and backs away from the structure. As you see, there are workers still on it. And the whole thing comes crashing down. And nope, not this bit is what I'm considering the boy's downfall. There's another bit later on. In the aftermath, as the dust clears and the destruction can be seen, the whole structure of wood has come down. It's destroyed tents, workbenches, pulled down some of the wall, and unfortunately crushed a few unlucky workers who weren't quick enough to escape or were too lazy to come down from the scaffolding to have their lunch properly. The boy, however, is unharmed and is just kind of tangled in ropes and wood and covered in dust where the structure has crashed around him. The foremen quickly grab the boy and haul him to the lord of the castle, who has come rushing out to see what has happened. It is quickly explained in an even weirder and more nonsense bohemian accent. Gov, this here lad is the one that caused all this mess. He's a tea leaf and he tried to escape by knocking over all the building works and killing dem dare good worker lads in the process. He needs to be punished, me lord, for the death what he caused. The Lord, in ever his wisdom and fear of what was actually going on here, gave the boy a choice. In a somewhat more normal and posher bohemian British accent, he said, So, lad, I believe you are the cause of all this mess. And, well, it appears you've killed some of my workers. No, 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 I won't be hearing any argument from you. You look like a thief. You have pockets full of my food and are covered in dust and scrawny. You are at fault here. This is my judgment. Now you have two choices as I see it. You can either hang or you can take a quick trip down a hole and tell me what's down there. So what'll it be, lad? The boy, a little perplexed at this offer, and wondering what the trick was, but also knowing he didn't really want to end up on swinging and jigging from a rope, as he wasn't a good dancer and kind of disliked ropes a bit. So he chose what appeared to be the safe bet. Do you mind, O oh great lord, then, if it pleases thee, that I take the trip down the hole that you aforementioned? So it was that the boy was tied up and led to the chapel. The closer they got, the more worried everyone seemed to be behaving. Apprehension grew in the air, and the boy was beginning to worry what kind of hole he was about to go into. Why would people get worried about a hole in a chapel? In the chapel, there was a large crack in the floor, splitting it right across from one side to the other. On the edge of the crack, there was a contraption that appeared to have a swing on it. It looked like it could be lowered down into the hole. There was a priest standing next to this who was muttering prayers to the Lord. As they got closer, the priest started to anoint it with holy water, as if blessing it and protecting it from evil. The boy was now sweating and getting very worried. He tried to back away, but being weak from lack of food and held by the strong hands of the foreman, he was tied to the swing. The priest asked him to recite the Lord's Prayer with him, and the Lord reminded him that all he needed to do was report back what he saw in the hole. The chair was swung over the crack. Not wanting to look down, the boy looked at the paintings on the wall. 
noticing the vicious scenes there of beasts attacking men and demons crawling through woods and burning crosses. Without needing to be asked, he started to recite the Lord's Prayer as he was slowly lowered into the hole. Tears welled on his cheek and he slowly descended into the void below him. A few moments later, screams are heard from the hole. The Lord orders the boy brought up, but instead of a boy, there appeared to be a middle-aged man. It shared the same features as the boy, but as if he had aged by 30 years or more. He was screaming and his eyes bled. They could not make him stop screaming, and so he was locked into the deepest cell, and all he could do was scream. Even when a normal voice would have given up and the vocal cords snapped, he still screamed. Eventually, having heard enough of the screaming for nights on end, one of the guards put a sword through the man's throat, ending his suffering. And that is his downfall. Kinda. Make up your mind. Isn't that his downfall? Did he downfall? He went down into a hole and never truly came out. Did he fall and see the devil down there? What made him scream? How did he age so quickly? Or is he still down in the hole, having been replaced by something else? Well, there you go. A story to start us off with. It's kind of my own little take on one of the legends and folklore that surrounds a place in the Czech Republic known as Holska Castle. Um, And as you might have guessed it from the tale and the title of this episode, today we're going to be taking a look at some of the gateways to hell. Or the hell cracks, as we call them. It seems like people seem to like the kind of darker episodes, like the horror in the suit episode excluding episode one, because everyone downloads episodes one, listens to it, and then ignores me. Uh, the Horror in the Suit episode is actually my most listened to episode, the one which is on the Slender Man and kind of the discussion of what folklore is. So maybe you actually like the discussion on folklore. I don't know. We'll see. Hoska Castle. Holska Castle. I'm not quite sure how you pronounce it. Halska. H-O-U-S-K-A. Hoska is how I'm going with it. It's a nice little bit of folklore, Gates of Hell, uh, that has some kind of interesting connections to Nazis as well. Uh, We'll look at that in a second. But yeah, Halska Castle, it was built sometime between 1253 and 1276 during the reign of Ottokar II of Bohemia. Uh, It's built on the edge of a sandstone cliff in the middle of absolutely fucking nowhere in the thick forests north of Prague. Yeah, it is literally in the middle of nowhere. Um, There's no access to water at this site as well uh, so it's got a kind of little cistern that's been built more recently but yeah there's no access to any water it is a beautiful building kind of a gothic big grand gothic building smack bang on the edge of this cliff in the middle of thick forests very little access no water and no fortifications kind of it's also after it was built was left unoccupied for a while so why why would you build a castle up here there's, there's, it's not going to be very good at keeping anybody out because it's on the top of a hill. People can't really live there because there's no water. But why would you build something here? Well, it's obviously not for stopping from things from getting in. So maybe it was built to stop things from getting out. And there are some reports that it once had walls that faced inwards, as if protecting the outside world from something that was inside it. The chapel is said to have actually been built on a gateway to hell. This bottomless pit was said to let out demonic entities at night, and so the chapel was constructed to seal this gateway. Over the centuries, it has been home to various families and lords and ladies, who have all reported noises like flapping of wings and scratching of claws coming from under the chapel's floor. And here's the 
dark side. During the Second World War, it was reported that Nazis chose to occupy the castle as part of their occult search for power and knowledge. Himmler, yes, Heinrich Himmler, the ultimate fucknut, a well-known occultist and founder of the esoteric Hitlerism, amassed a huge library on occultism. Some 13-odd thousand texts are thought to have been connected to him. And he chose Halska as a place to store some of these works because of the power the place held and its connections to the devil. And it is believed that during the, during the years that the Nazis occupied this, uh, he also performed dark occult experiments on captives and even his own men there. So yeah, a castle and a chapel built on the gateway to hell. And Nazis looking up occult things and doing nasty shit there because Nazis are fuck nuts. Um, and now to disappoint you all, it's all crap. <laughs> um, there are many people that, are claim, that claim that there were inward facing walls. I couldn't seem to actually find any evidence of this. And there are other people out there who are objective and have looked into it who state that there are no walls that ever did this. It's had no or has no fortifications, which if it's a castle, that's kind of odd in itself. And so you then combine that with this location and the fact that it has no water. It makes it a really odd odd thing and place to stick a castle. So I'll state why it was actually built there later on in a minute or two. Because there, there is a reason they built it there. But it's not as kind of a castle. Anyway, sidetrack. In regards to those mass murdering fuckhead psychos known as Nazis. Well, yes, they did occupy the castle during the war. And there are rumours of experiments and, and things that happened there. And there were a few German bodies found there after the end of the war. Yeah, it's a fucking war. People died. People got shot and killed, and the Nazis were known to be fuckheads. It's kind of in the title, Mass Murdering Nazi Fuckheads. So, not surprised that there's there's dead Germans there, because Nazis were also Germans. But yeah, so the Nazis were also meticulous record keepers, other than being fuckheads. And Holska was one of the repositories of a part of the, uh, the, the Reich known as the RSHA Amt 7. Oh, there is a full name for that, and I'm not going to read it, because, yeah. It's a vastly understaffed and underfunded organisation that was set up to look after all the books that the Nazis half-inched, because they're thieving little bastards. So the likely story is that it was actually used as a library for stolen or banned books by those mass-murdering nutjobs. Not a place of occultism. But yeah, so why why did they build the, the castle here in the first place? Well, the answer basically appears to be ego because we can build it here because we can. And it was also built as an administration centre for Ottokar II, and nothing more than that. But with it being in such an odd place, in the middle of a countryside, in quite a region known for folklore and folk tales, it's kind of not surprising that a lot of these spooky, weird, evil stories kind of connected to it. So... Um, as much as they are cool, uh, there's little truth to any of them, and it's all just a little bit mundane and boring. It was a library and an administration building. Though it does look freaking cool, and I do need to go visit it next time I go to the Czech Republic. Uh, it's not that far north of Prague. I think it's only about 30 miles. So, um, yeah, definitely um, definitely on a place on, on the list of places to visit, I feel, that one, Holska Castle. It is quite hard to find stuff on Halska Castle because it's all, a lot of the, the real information is in Czech. And in Czech it also goes by a different, slightly different name of Halska, so H-A-U-S-K-A. 
Um, and a lot of the information I've got here has come from second-hand translations of people doing stuff. And it's kind of hard to dig past all the actual crap out there that people have stated that, ooh, this is true, it was used as Nazi murder, occultist weird shit. So you do have to spend a bit of time trying to dig past that to find anything useful on the, on the place. But yeah, um, definitely a cool building and some cool stories related to it. Oh, uh, yeah, um, as I jumped straight into everything here, I completely forgot to tell people. Um, I have a collection of beer here today because we're about to hop on a world tour. I have uh, a bottle of Tsingtao from China, uh, a bottle of Starpramen from the Czech Republic, Guinness from Ireland, and some other stuff. Uh, I'm not going to drink it all, but yeah, theming drinks to the world tour was probably always going to lead into uh, a butt-ton of alcohol, shall we say. I do also have some uh, Camden Hell's Lager to go with the idea of hell crack. But there is no crack, though, because um, drugs are bad, okay? Uh, oh, and the name for this episode, Hellcrack, actually does have a, have a have an origin. And you can thank the, thank the wonderful people that I played Urban Shadow 2nd Edition with during uh, Virtual Horrorcon a few weeks ago. And I think it's specifically Ashley, uh, Aid on... Aid? A-Y-D-E? Aid? On Ghana Gaming Discord, who came up with the name as a church in the graveyard burst open and spewed forth uh, a big, gnarly demon that I totally honestly... Honestly, it was me murderizing back to hell. Honestly, it was me, the big fighty werewolf, and not the magic happy fairy who the werewolf hated. Honest, I, I did a good job. Give me belly rubs. Satya wants belly rubs. Anyway, <laughs> side tracks. So, uh, now on to the rest. As I said, this is a world tour, so I'm going to do a quick splurge about some other hell cracks or gateways to the underworld, in no particular order, from around the world. There are far too many for me to delve into, all of them, and these are all going to have a very quick, kind of brief, very brief chatter about them. Try and get as many done as I can without making this episode 700 million hours long. So anyway, in no particular order, we'll start with the number one I've got here is the Seven Gates to Hell. Uh, This one's actually a modern urban legend, and the story goes that there are seven gates that once crossed will take you to hell. These gates lie just off a road called Toad Road in Hellum Township, York, Pennsylvania. Uh, And it is kind of stated that there was once an old penitentiary for the insane um, that was said to have kind of existed on this road. And there was a physician who worked there and he's said to have built seven gates that led into the forest. And he worked evil upon them. Uh, During the day, only the first gate is visible. Uh, and to view the other six, you'd have to go at night. However, in reality, there was never any penitentiary in Helm, and there is no toad road either. Helm Township does exist, uh, and there also aren't seven gates laying around that will lead you to hell there. But it's kind of a nice little story. Another version of the story states that uh, the gates were built to keep in the inmates from the penitentiary. It's, it's, it's an urban legend, so... I think it's like the 1930s. Next one, we have Chinoike Jikoku in Beppu, Japan. So Beppu is a city um, in Japan that's beset by nine hot springs. Uh, Each of these hot springs has a different colour and different properties to it. But the one that we're interested in here is Chinoike Jikoku, uh, known in English as the Bloody Hand Pond. In Buddhist texts that date from around the 8th century CE, they liken the the pond, which kind of sits at 78 degrees C, 
um, and is bubbling thick red water, and they liken it to kind of the waters and the heat of the underworld. In reality, the onsen actually gets its colour and kind of smell from the rich iron oxide deposits in the ground that surround it. It's also on top of like a, a lava chamber because Japan is one big ass volcano. <laughs> Next up, we have another quick one from Japan. Uh, this one is Ozurasen. Uh, this is Mount Fear, and it's in the north of Japan. And it's situated in kind of an otherworldly feeling region of volcanic cauldrons, barren, grey, desolate landscapes that contain sulfuric smelling and bubbling hot waters. This kind of landscape has led many to believe that it's the entrance to the underworld in kind of their Buddhist religions and Shintoism. It also has a small river, uh, the Sanzagawa, that leads into Lake Usori. And the dead must cross this river to reach the afterlife, much like the river Styx. Occasionally in Japanese mythology and things, you do see connections to some of the Western ideas and stuff. So there's there's one of them. And now talking about Western legends. So we've done we've done what we've done gates to hell. We've done some in Japan, and now we're going to go to Ireland. Uh, we're going to go to Saint Patrick's Purgatory. So back to the Christian idea of hell here, and it's kind of following the, roughly the same vein as Halska, uh, Halska Castle. Uh, we have a small monastery called Saint Patrick's bleh, Saint Patrick's Purgatory. I apologise about all the bees. Uh, it's found on Station Island, just off the coast of mainland Ireland, and it is believed that Saint Patrick. All I can think of as when I say Patrick, though, is SpongeBob and Patrick, and it's just yeah. I apologise. I'm sorry that Saint Patrick is actually a starfish whose best friend lives in a pineapple under the sea. Anyway, St. Patrick uh, visited the island when he... Ooh, not when. Where he then proceeded to have visions of the torments of hell whilst sitting in a cave. Uh, through prayer and other means, it was determined that the cave was actually an entrance to purgatory, or hell. And so to butt-plug the hole, a monastery was built upon it. Uh, possibly sometime in the 5th century, but we don't really know because nobody really wrote anything down. Because lack of ability to read and write and stuff like that and it's a small island but well anyway <laughs> the odd thing about this one i find is that the cave itself has actually been closed to visitors since the 25th of october 1632 don't know why that specific date or why we know it so specifically on that date but we do um but the whole place is now actually a, a site of pilgrimage for many uh, where they go to sit and contemplate hell for some reason or the the, the meaning of hell and and things and yeah, so that's one of them. Uh, let's move back away from Christianity and let's go to... This is South America. See, going all over the world here. We now have the Acton Tinichil Munkal Cave in the Tapir Mountain Nature Reserve of Belize. That's a mouthful to say. Uh, this cave that was, uh, it was recently rediscovered in 1989, I think. Um... And it's, it's known as the ancient Mayans entrance to their underworld, Shibalba. And the name Acton Tenichil Muknel means the cave of the crystal sepulchre. And yeah, we're not going to go into crystal skulls. Don't worry, because that's all a load of crap and a hoax. So screw you. Um, but yeah, the stories uh, of this place tell of rivers of blood and scorpions that flow in the caves and a massive underground labyrinth ruled by the lords of Zibalba, the gods of death for the mines. Just great name, lords of Zibalba. I like that. I don't know whether it's Chibalba or Zibalba. It's got an X on going with Z at the moment, but it's probably more likely a Chibalba. I don't speak ancient Mayan, so meh. 
Um, there have been numerous human remains found in the clay in in the clave, in the cave. I'm doing well at speaking today, David. So, uh, including the crystal maiden. This is a young girl who is thought to have been sacrificed to the gods of death, and her bones have calcified into a shimmer, shimmering crystal-like material. Hence her name. And yes, that is true. I googled that. You can Google it yourself. It's quite well known in the area. Uh, I think this next one is the last one. Yeah, next one is the last one. Uh, again, we're going to pop over from South America. We're going to pop over to Asia. We're going to go to China. And we're going to go to Fengdu, the city of ghosts. On the slopes of Ming Hill in the municipality of Chongqing sits a 2,000-year-old settlement that is said to be connected to Nalaka, the underworld of the Chinese mythology. Um, the, the settlement is known as Fengdu. And the story goes that two imperial officials in the Han Dynasty tired of the Taoist and courtly lifestyle in Fengdu and they fled to become immortal. Their names were Wang Fangping and Ying Changsen. And when they combined their names to Qing Wang Wang Jiang, they became the king of hell. Most of the city's landmarks are linked to hell with names like Ghost Torturing Pass and Last Glance at Home Tower. There is a massive stone carving as well on the side of the hills of a face looking down over the city and is known as the Ghost King. How cool is that? How cool would it be to live in a place where you've got something called Ghost Torturing Pass and Last Glance at Home Tower and you're looked over on a nightly basis by the Ghost King staring down at your city? How frigging cool is that? So, well, that's just a few of the the places where we have hell cracks or gateways to hell or the underworld. There are many, many, many more. Like, you've got the, the, the pit in, is it Turkmenistan? Yeah, Turkmenistan was just like a gas pit that someone set fire to. And then there's the uh, the plutonium at Heropolis, which is connected to Pluto. It used to be known as Hades, former god of the dead. You've got Melk, Mount Helka in Iceland and Lacus Curitos in Italy. Uh, there's also the gates of Guinness in New Orleans and many, many others. But there's far too many for us to delve into, so I'm going to stop there. I do hope you enjoyed our brief world tour of Hellcrack. Uh, next time, I'm probably going to go into some more traditional European, maybe UK or Ireland folk tales. I seem to be kind of drifting away from the original idea of what this podcast was, but it's kind of, it's evolving, doing what it does, and we, we, we shall see. But yeah, I do want to kind of go back to something. I might look at Kelpies, I don't know, something like that. Anyway, that's it for this episode, and I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, please do like and subscribe. Uh, like, subscribe leave comments rate the thing on spotify and apple and all that kind of malarkey do share it around on the socials and let me know what you think you can find me over on twitter at the drunken store one i'm on facebook as the drunken storyteller you can email me at the drunken storyteller uk at gmail.com uh, where you can send me suggestions on topics and stories to cover you can also find me over on darker days radio where we talk about horror themed rpgs and warhammer rpgs um, and we're still doing our Enemy Within campaign over at Gehenna Gaming. And, well, the drink has not run dry because I've got a lot of it. Um, and all that's left for me to say is thank you. Goodbye, my friends.